T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We are now joined, as we are every Wednesday, by one of the greatest veteran service organizations there is, the American Legion. And joining us from the Legion today, media guru Joe Plensler and Director of Legislative Affairs Matt Schumann. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, good morning. It's good to be here. Happy New Year. It is the new year, and actually, that's what we're going to talk about today, because Matt, as we just said through your title, you deal with legislation and what the American Legion is going to focus on for the upcoming year, as we're now a week into 2018. That's what we're going to focus on today. So let's take a look at some of the big items legislatively that you guys are going to focus on, and I'm going to guess off the top of my head, I can predict number one on this list. Hit it, Eric. Is it going to be regarding the choice program? Absolutely. Ah, Absolutely. of course. Carmack from this, the Johnny yeah. Carson show. <laughs> this is uh, what is a program that's supposed to give people choice, and we keep talking about <laughs> not ad nauseum, yeah, and going on forever yeah. and ever. So when it comes to choice, obviously one of the big ones that it was one of the legislative topics for 2017. It's now continuing on into 2018. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about choice and and the Legion's perspective on it. Yeah. So thanks for the, thanks for the question. Thanks for having us on. Um, the Choice Program was created in 2014 as a way to allow veterans to receive care, you know, medical doctors and so forth, in the community, out, you know, down the street from their house, not at the VA. Um, and so we're trying to sort of streamline that program and make it a lot better for veterans. Right. And towards the end of the year, the funding for the program was expiring. Congress, you know, put a stopgap in there and gave it a few more billion to get us through the holidays. But there are literally seven different bills in Congress right now that are trying to address this. And we've talked about those bills before. Some of them seem to be more, um, shall I say, legitimate than others. Some of them seem to have just been tossed out there maybe for uh, a press bite that somebody will be able to say, hey, I introduced this, I introduced that. It's kind of what happens in politics on the national level. Um, When it comes to those, those main pieces of legislation that are up there, the bills that you guys are focused on, uh, does the Legion support one in particular, or do they think there's still adjustments that need to be made to these bills addressing choice? Well, let me answer that backwards. There are absolutely adjustments that need to be made to all the bills. (laughs) Um, Of the seven, there are three main bills, if you will. The House uh, Veteran Affairs Committee has a bill. The Senate Veteran Affairs Committee has a bill. And Senator Moran and John McCain have a joint bill together as well. Um, All three of those bills uh, in their own right are good bills. Um, We are hoping to get all of them sitting down at the table together and take the good from all three and put it into one, which, you know, tends to happen more often on the Hill than not. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and then you have the facts of life and hopefully a good choice program for exactly. veterans in 2018. Now, this is number one, and it's it's been at the forefront of the veteran conversation for quite a while now, yet it hasn't happened as far right. as any permanent measures to keep this in place, any agreement from all sides to get it going. How likely is it and how confident are you in the Legion that we will see some sort of permanent choice uh, replacement adjustments yeah. in 2018? Well, um, I'm 100% positive it's going to happen this year. Um, we would have loved to have seen it happen towards the end of last year, but you know, with, with such you know, sunlight between all the other bills, it wasn't likely. However, I think it's going to happen in the next few months. Um, the, the, the funding stopgap 
will get us roughly to June, maybe. Um, so I, I, I think we'll definitely have a bill before that. Plus, not to mention it's an election year. Uh, members of Congress will want to pass something so they can go back to their districts and say, mm-hmm. hey, veterans, I, I passed this bill. And we turned these nine community care programs into one, making it easier for you to receive medical care in the community. It's a big deal. And for anyone looking for some sort of analogy for this, it's kind of like in professional sports with a franchise tag on a player where you essentially keep that player from becoming a free agent for one year. You have him temporarily. It's a temporary fix. But you want the long-term deal for your Tom Brady's, your Peyton Manning's, your Derek Carr's, all those people like that. That's what we want for choice. We don't want to have to keep coming up with this emergency funding because – there's a possibility that at some point they're looking for emergency funding and it won't happen. And then the program will just be kind of left to twist in the wind. Right? Well, absolutely. So what, you know, what we've seen the last two times with the vast for more money is, you know, they came down to you know two weeks before, before the, for the, for the, for the zero barrier, if you will. Mm. The problem with that is you've got people, you've got veterans who are pregnant. You've got veterans who are receiving like long-term care. You've got veterans who are receiving chemo, things of that nature yeah. that they can't, they don't, they're setting up, set, they, they are setting up appointments more than two weeks from now. And if the funding isn't there, the VA is going to say, hey, buddy, not today. And that's not something that anybody wants to see, whether they are a veteran or not. Right. I and mean, I think most people agree that we want our veterans, particularly those in need of care for a terminal illness, a serious illness, a serious right. disability uh, that they might need some sort of recuperation for, some rehabilitation for. It's a significant issue. So that's why I was able to so easily predict why it would be number <laughs> one on the Legion's list of legislative priorities. What's next? Well, I, well, let me just say say this. You know, I, I testified yesterday before the House Finance Committee. Hmm. Um, one of the things that we're looking to fix within the Choice Program is when the VA sends someone out to receive care, the doctor tries to get the VA to pay for it, which they're supposed to do, and VA just takes so long to pay it back that eventually they go after me, the veteran, um, and it hits my personal credit if I don't have the funds to pay that, or if I hmm. if I'm you know if if I'm like most veterans and say no, this is not my responsibility, blah blah blah. Um, so yesterday we testified, so hopefully that we were able to sort of get this program to a really good spot to do the right thing for veterans. So I'm, I'm particularly excited about that. Uh, shifting focus, we are involved in every element of the veteran space on Capitol Hill. If there's a bill that's going to impact veterans, even with the tax reform bill, we were, we were having conversations with congressional leadership trying to make sure that didn't hurt veterans or, if anything, it helped veterans. Um, so the next sort of thing that we're talking about is, is complementary alternative medicines at VA, which is – Besides pills, besides the massive bottles of pills and opioids that they want to mm. give you, what other ways, what other medicines, what, all, what other therapies can they use, can the VA use and explore to be able to help veterans? And that is a big one because the opioid epidemic in this country is a little bit different than most other epidemics we've seen drug-wise. Right. Like crack cocaine was not being prescribed by doctors and getting people hooked on it. Right. That's not right. how that came to it's be. An, in fact, in the veteran community, I think about twice the rate according to the VA's numbers, is the civilian population. I mean, it's a big problem. At least. I mean, we also have people who don't tell you about how it's impacting them and those who uh, may not be uh, endangering their lives or anything like that, but it can still be having an effect. Absolutely. Those functional addicts, which exist out there, absolutely. tend not to talk. And, and and it's not a good thing. That's you know eventually what leads to suicide issues and things of that nature. But we just we're not a community that goes out there and likes to talk about our feelings. And so talking about oh I'm on these you know massive bottles of pills. That's not you don't hear that. But we need we know it's happening and we need to help them. Yeah, and if there's evidence based therapies that that are having you know increased uh, improved healthcare outcomes for veterans out there. Right. You know we need to do the research on those. We need to pursue those. Like hyperbaric oxygen therapy is something right. that the American Legion was really pushing for. 
And, uh, we, you know, we're really pleased to see the VA come on board with that. Um, you know, we're looking at other, other therapies, hypotherapy, you know, LED, you know, light therapy. I mean, there's, there's, um, there's a lot of things out there that veterans are reporting back saying that, hey, this is better than, right. than the opioids. Right. This is better than the drugs. I mean, the opioids, I think, sound good to a veteran who's having issues and goes right. in there mm-hmm. at, at face value. Hey, we're going to give you these pills as combat cocktail, as people have named it. Right. Yeah. And it's going to make you feel better than you are right now. And they'll take that at well, that moment. And that's but a nice then, name for them. I mean, we, we hear zombie drugs a lot. Yeah, you know? that's another one. And, well, you know, what's, what's interesting, I don't think a lot of people realize, is that the VA has a huge department to do research. Most people don't realize that Tylenol was created at VA. Oh, yeah. They're doing amazing things with uh, with prosthetics. And yeah, they're doing well, a they lot are, over The VA there. is the Precision world leader. Yeah, yep. the VA is the world leader in prosthetics. I mean, we want that for PTSD and TBI and everything else. That right. would just be amazing. But VA has this massive amount of money to do great research. They created the nicotine patch. I mean, it just, they, they create these things. So they ha- and the pacemaker. So they have the ability to really, you know, deep take a deep dive into these scientific issues and figure out what therapies, whether whether it be like like Joe was mentioning hyperbaric oxygen, um, cannabis, all, all different types of things that VA just needs to do research on. What's holding them back from doing that? Do you think is there legislation that can fix that, or is it just kind of a mindset like you know, uh, sep- sensory deprivation tank? That's just quackery. Yeah, this is something part people of it is think the research may work. budget was cut in the last press bud. Oh, you know, it was yeah, yeah, and that plus the IT support for it too. That, you know, goes along with it. So, huh? I know when we were talking to the Genomics Project, the Million Veteran Program up in in Boston, that was something that they were really concerned about. Was you know the IT support to the research because I mean you know a lot of that quantitative stuff rides on 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 systems architecture that requires massive computing to chug the data. So. And that builds to other levels too. A lot of stuff that's been developed at the VA initially has been then built on by the university system within the sure. United States right. and been almost created here, perfected there. I mean, that's the yeah. way that science works. I think like 64% of medical doctors throughout the country receive some level of training from VA. That's wow. a large, that's a large percentage, right? That is, I mean, yeah. the largest integrated healthcare system in the world. So, I mean, you know, it's, you're going to get a lot of people yeah, right. coming out of it in, in that, various ways. You know, that just sort of weaves us into the, to something else that we we care a lot about, which is you know, suicide prevention. And mm-hmm. there's, it's not like we can get Congress to pass a bill that says no veteran can kill themselves. You know, somebody it, tried to do that though. <laughs> I can't remember who it was. I think it may have been a, a veteran in Congress, like Brian Mast. I think. I, may I wish it like were that. that simple. I wish it were that yeah. simple. Brian Mast is awesome. I wish it were that simple. We could just pass a bill. And, and it was, it was. He didn't mean that literally, of course. Right. He meant it figuratively, like a contract saying, like, yeah, hey, it was. There was, um, there was a contract they were putting into. He wanted to put it into the NDAA that when you left the military, you took an oath to be your brother's keeper. Um, and uh, there was another VSO who who railed against that. Um, and unfortunately that did not make it into the NDAA. Right. I didn't see a problem with it. I mean, it was, you know, it was just another thing to say, you know what, I got a, I took an oath when I left the military to make sure that I call my brother, Eric, you know, every few months to just check on him. I mean, yep. one phone call every few months it does a lot more than you think. Yeah. yeah and, uh, you know, I do see a lot of vets stepping up. I mean, you, you know, you watch other people's social media feed and all of a sudden it seems a little bit off and, and, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, I see a lot of vets like reaching out to that person now, which is good because, yep. You know, I think we've all come to the point where we realize that, hey, you really need to take action if, if something just seems remotely off. I, I saw that on Facebook with yep. a buddy of mine who I hadn't seen in, yep. in years. We were stationed together twice, actually. Um, and I saw some posts that just, they were kind of vague and mm-hmm. didn't really fit with what I knew about him. Reached out and found out that, yeah, he was going through a tough time, yeah. you know, uh, having personal issues. And uh, I don't know how much it helped him to have me to talk to and just be like, hey, you know, you can tell me whatever you need to tell me. Right. That's how most of us interact with each other, particularly somebody that you served with and alongside right. and Absolutely. having that, that close bond with. So. Yeah. 
suicide prevention, of course, is a significant issue and a continuing one in the military community at a high right. level. We talked right. about opioids. That's a contributing factor. It's right. not everything. Mental health is probably the biggest factor when it comes to this stuff. When we talk about the numbers, you know, I, I think we've seen an adjustment from 22 all the way down to 20, 20. which is still 20 people a day means just during a yeah. work week, you're talking 100 veterans no yeah. longer with us. Listen, let me just say this. I'll buy any veteran who's having a hard time a beer if they want to sit down and talk. And, and I'll do that for any of my friends as well. But, mm-hmm. you, but you know, th- preventing suicide in the military and veteran community is not as easy, like I said, as just passing a bill. It's, it's everything that they're doing. Right, it's from accountability legislation to passing a new GI bill. It's to you know preventing opioids. It's it's expanding research into you know alternative therapies. It's everything because there's not one thing that's going to prevent veterans from doing this. You know, if they're if a veteran all of a sudden is getting you know getting roadblocked in every way trying to use their GI bill, that's going to cause some type of mental issue. They're going to be upset and depleted about that, and we got to mm. fix those. It's everything we got to we got we can do to help a veteran. This actually makes me think of a story that I read this morning, and this is another angle on this that I want to ask you about and what the Legion, uh, how the Legion looks at this. I know that the Legion has some great programs to help people with an other than honorable discharge try to upgrade uh, their status. We've talked to uh, people from the Legion coming in here who that's part of what they do. I read a story about a veteran who took his own life. He had received a bad conduct discharge. Uh, He should not have been able to own a weapon because he received that bad conduct discharge and did time in military prison. When you look at what he did the time for, it was the drug ecstasy and going AWOL. So we're not talking violent crimes here. We're talking someone who uh, didn't, didn't injure anyone on duty, wasn't anything like that. When it comes to who's classified as a veteran that's able to get assistance when it comes to mental health, There seems to be movement in one direction on that. I know we've talked to Chris Goldsmith from High Ground Veterans Advocacy and others about uh, addressing those veterans who their service may not have ended the way that we would like it to, but they still did serve. And a lot of people think they they deserve some assistance there. And a lot of them are at a great risk for suicide because partially contributed to by the fact that they received something like a bad conduct or a dishonorable discharge, which can have a severe negative impact on your life. It's horrible. How does the Legion look at that? And do you include them in groups that you think should be able to get assistance for, uh, you know, when it comes to things like suicide prevention? Yeah, that's a very good question. You know, the reality is as a Legion, there's a phrase that we throw around and I hear just about every other day, which is a veteran is a veteran is a veteran. Um, I don't care if you were dishonorably discharged for anything above ecstasy we're going to help you out. What's well, something that was really neat this year is our last year. Sorry. I'm, I'm that guy that's writes one, you know, 2017 and then tries to fudge the seven into an eight. Um, that's currently my life right now. Um, but what, one of the things that Dr. Shulkin did, who was the secretary of the VA did last year was, you know, opened up mental, um, illness, um, you know, consulta- consultations and things of that nature for veterans, um, other than honorable. Um, and that is a step in the right direction to getting these people good quality care. They can go to the VA and then they can get referred out and, and they can find the help, right? And the help helps. Yeah. The help is is a big thing out there. And an organization that's helping many veterans do many great things is the American Legion. We're joined by Joe Plensler and Matt Schumann. Matt is the director of legislative affairs for the Legion, and he is here talking to us about basically what the goals are, the legislative priorities for the American Legion in this year, 2018, which, yes, Matt, it's 2018. 2018. Stop saying 2017. All right, so we've talked about the suicide issue. We've talked about choice. What else is the Legion taking a look at this year? So there's a lot of things, you know, and um, 
I absolutely love it. It's sort of, for me, everything sort of comes back to suicide prevention, right? Mm. And so if you're trying to do the right thing to make sure that the veteran unemployment rate is severely low, well, getting a veteran a job very well may prevent them from committing suicide, yeah. right? And, and so things like that. So, so the next one on our, on our list is, is veterans unemployment. Um, and there's a huge sort of sphere that I don't think people really talk about in terms of veteran unemployment, which is there's a lot of people in the veteran community who don't think college is for them, right? Mm-hmm. They went right from high school, right to the military like I did. And they say, college is just not for me. I can't go live in a dorm. I can't, I can't you know, acclimate to that style. Um, but apprenticeships is a, is a realm that people don't really think about. Right. And technical schools as well. Right. There Absolutely. are schools that aren't, you know, I know there are people that think of the hoity-toity academic world like the one I went through at my alma mater, Hofstra, which I'll be honest with you, when I left high school, part of the reason, probably the main part of the reason I went into the military is that I didn't want to spend any more time in a classroom at that point. Right. I, it was not for me. And when I went back to college, I didn't know if it would be or not. I knew I was going to give it a try, collect that uh, yeah. GI bill, yeah. uh, put it into use and uh, see what happened. It worked out well for me, but there are those who have no interest in it or who a college degree isn't the best way to go about getting into right. their career field of choice. For example, I ride a Harley Davidson motorcycle. If you want to be a Harley Davidson mechanic, I'm wearing the shirt. You're today, actually man. wearing a shirt right now. This is Harley <laughs> Davidson, just for the record. My people. mom got it for me at the uh, at the Harley Davidson <laughs> Museum mom. out in Go Milwaukee. Mom. So, uh, you know. If you want to be a Harley mechanic or a motorcycle mechanic, you don't need to go to Harvard to do that. But there are a lot of great programs out there, and a lot of those programs are covered by the GI Bill. Some of them aren't. So what's the Legion looking at when it comes to veteran unemployment and those trade schools? We're currently in the process of creating a program called um, uh, Harvard to Harley 101, and we hope that you're the first student. So an interesting story, I have a friend of mine, his name is Victor Ferrasi, he's in the military, and something that was always interesting to him was learning how to shoot horses and apparently like you have to take some apprenticeship to be able to do that well and and he did he, he, he does he does Would good for fair. himself yeah. yeah and so that's one of the things like oddly the gi bill covers right yeah. um another realm that veterans are getting into now is sort of these nano degrees um and sort of getting a really sort of very technical one sort of skill set how to code or, or something like that right. for computers um in the gi bill with the passage of the, of the gi bill that we helped pass last year named after the american legion uh fyi we wrote the original gi bill um <laughs> just a little plug there um this the, the new gi bill is going to allow and start slowly paying for these programs for veterans to get these like you know like four month little nano degrees to help them be able to go work at google or something like that right and there are those there there are groups that focus on that I, operation code who we've talked yeah. to before who what part of what they do is figure out which coding schools accept the gi bill which yep. ones don't try to work to get more to accept them because I think there's also this perception that when it comes to tech schools and when it comes to trades and apprenticeships, everyone thinks of the Harley mechanic or a construction worker or a farrier. There are high-tech industries that have people who don't have a four-year college degree who are pulling in high six figures in some cases because they focus on one very specific thing in the tech and in computer industries, which, as we know, just continue to grow. They're not getting any smaller. They're going to get bigger, and that's just the reality. So. That's a role that we're looking to play in a little bit more. And in, in now that said, the unemployment rate for veterans is lower than the national standard, mm. but it's not low enough. And what so, a change from like five years ago, where it was absolutely. like double right you know, for the peer cohort. So yeah, you know, th- th- we've seen some progress in that over the last what five six years. Yeah, 
You know, yeah. that's, that's a good trend. We'd like to see that keep up. And we're seeing a trend nationally right now where unemployment is at the lowest level it's been in a very long time. Sure. And we'd like to see that continue yeah. for the veteran community as well. And right. there are some some barriers to veterans doing yeah. that. Some of them, you know, put in place by veterans ourselves. Some of them mm -hmm. that we just have to adapt and overcome that are put in front of us. Absolutely. But it, it is something that we can address legislatively, don't you think, where we can get some changes and some modifications Absolutely. done? Well, there's one thing that people don't really realize is um, at the Department of Labor, there's an office called DOL Vets, V-E-T-S. Um, yeah, Mark Tull. Yeah, Veterans Employments and Training Services is their office. And they have a small budget, um, about $13 million a year, but they use that very, very wisely to meet with companies and, and, and try to put out the opportunities to the veteran community that, hey, you know, these companies are looking to hire people. They also focus on things like like military spouses, yeah. right? And and highlighting organizations that if if you know the husband or the wife who's the the duty soldier moves, their spouse can get a job. Starbucks is one of them. Starbucks is a really good job at employing spouses if you need to relocate. Um, things like that. So this office over at DOL Vets does a great job. I encourage you to look them up on Facebook and Twitter and just sort of yeah. engage with them. If you don't have a job, they will help you find one. They have American job centers across the country. Um, you know, I know that's asking for help, and veterans don't like to do that. But I'm mm -hmm. going to tell you that that's where you start. That's that's the great place if you if you need help. There are very few success stories that involve veterans who did everything on their own. You're right. going to need some help along the way, uh, whether you ask for it or whether it just comes and is given to you by Absolutely. various organizations yeah. out there. And as you mentioned, there are organizations, and we've talked to ones before. Uh, there's one that the, the name escapes me at the moment, who's working to get um, lawyers who are military spouses able to practice when they move to a new yeah. state, basically have reciprocity right. that's growing, but there are legal barriers to that. And Absolutely. the way to address oh, that sure. is yeah. through legislation yeah. where, you know, the, right. if the government says it's okay, and then the state government's going to have uh, like how VA doctors, like if you're credentialed in one state, if you're a VA doctor, you can practice medicine in right. any VA facility, right? Right. It so. should be able to do the same thing for spouses who are attorneys or, you know, um, any other, you know, if you want, if your spouse is a barber or, or a hairstylist, you have to take the same type right. of test there. It would make sense for you. Yeah, because, I mean, that's a happen. big retention thing for the military, too, for the active duty side. Because you can imagine, like, you know, you're college educated, you have a full career, you run into some active duty member, decide to get married, and all of a sudden, you know, here you go to Okinawa, Japan, oh. <laughs> you know, for three years. I, I mean, you know, it's just like, you know, overseas is a whole nother be frustrating. Yeah, you know? where there are so many yeah. limited jobs for an American military spouse overseas. You have on-base stuff like at the Child yeah. Development Center. Generally with a college exchange. degree. Yeah. Right? Like if you're a spouse, you don't have a college degree, okay, Starbucks might be a place for you to go work. But if you've got a four-year degree or you've got a master's degree, like Starbucks being a barista is probably not what you have, have in mind. In mind. No, yeah, there's, it's there's not. really limited opportunities. You know, there are. And, overseas. you know, it's, it's, it's a really interesting thing to talk about, and I want to talk to you about one last thing as yeah. we finish up here, uh, and I think Joe may have the comment on this one, and we were just talking about how uh, when big government tells the states they have to do something, yeah. they have to do it. We know that the American Legion has been talking a bit about uh, the issue with the scheduling of marijuana mm -hmm. as a Schedule One narcotic. Just recently, we've had the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, say that he is rescinding an Obama-era program that allowed the federal government to basically be hands-off when it came to what states wanted to do mm -hmm. with recreational marijuana. Do we think this is going to affect uh, the veteran community as far as VA doctors being allowed to speak to their patients about marijuana, which is a new development? I mean, uh, so what the, is the lead yeah, in taking Yeah, the VA is saying no right now. You know, right. From our been reading from uh, their press folks, you know, in, in the media is that that it shouldn't impact veterans. Um, you know, I need, I need to be clear and just reiterate that the American Legion is for research for medical cannabis, and right. that's been our position all along, and that's what we've been a leading advocate for. So, I mean, we have two 
basic resolutions on this. One is Resolution 11, which calls for the removal of cannabis from Schedule 1 to allow greater research. And uh, Resolution 28, which is to get VA doctors to be able to discuss this as a treatment option in states where it's illegal. And I think, we're, you know, we've, we've, we feel pretty good about, you know, Resolution 28 where it stands right now. And, right. And uh, we're still working on Resolution 11. Yep. And you know, it's one of those things that's very interesting. We were just talking about opioids and there's a, a previous quote from the attorney general saying that essentially uh, marijuana is just a little bit less bad than heroin. You know what heroin is? Heroin's an opiate and that's what opioids are made from. A lot of them are basically synthetic versions of mm -hmm. heroin. And if we're able to look at those in a medicinal way, it stands to reason, I think, to most people at this point, yeah. including most uh, um you know, most of the surveys that I've seen of the veteran community, of the oh, yeah. membership of organizations like the VFW, the Legion, it seems to be something that everybody wants changed. Is there anything legislatively that is on the table that may happen at some point soon, or are we not sure about that yeah. yet? I mean, I was on a call last week with, uh, you know, several folks who are working in this space, and, and um, yeah, I think you're going to see uh, an increased pressure on Roar Barker Far, uh, you know, getting the, um, uh, get on the books. And so, um, We'll there, see what happens. There but are I mean, Republican members of Congress now oh yeah. who are you know, oh yeah. touching the proverbial third rail. Oh, they're absolutely. Um, and they're happily doing it. And yep. it's awesome. It's good to see. So we'll see. I mean, going forward. I mean, again, you know, we're, we're, that's out of our lane, really. We're more focused on right. advocating for research. Right. And we just, want, we just want people to do the science and not stand in the way of other people who want to do the science. Right. So, you know, we think that's just fair. That makes sense, and that's just one of the many ways that the American Legion is helping out not just their membership, but veterans as a whole. We've been speaking with National Legislative Director Matt Schumann of the Legion, as well as our friend Joe Plensler from the Legion. And gentlemen, if they want to find out more about the legislative issues at the Legion, where can they go to do that, Matt? Uh, Legion.org forward slash legislative, or you can follow us on Twitter at Joe. Legion in D.C. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.